Hey, this is Gary Peel from the band Boston, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I had a chance to run into a really good friend of mine, Stacy Robin, who was just singing off that new CD, Falling Inward, by her group, Imaginary Friends. That was track one, Spirits of Bologna. And we'll listen to that a little later on. Um, I have a lot in store today. My first guest is standing by to join us, author Nancy Kane. Um, she's written this incredible book. It was 10 years in the making, Forged in Crisis. So I'm going to let her talk all about that right now. Good morning. Hey there. Thanks for calling into the show. I'm delighted to be here. As I mentioned, I saw this video about you. You know, your whole background, your backstory, unfortunately, you went through a really tough time, which is an understatement. Um, if you want to share a little bit about, you know, what you went through and then what led you to write this book. So I found myself um, in my early 40s uh, beset by just a series of calamities you know, the, in, in which the big hunky blocks of my life fell down and then broke apart. So oh, my father oh. died very suddenly, just dropped dead. My mother fell apart. He was not an old man. He was 72 and in very vigorous health. Mm-hmm. Um, a few months later, less than half a year later, my husband of 14 years with no warning walked out thinking I was the source of all the problems in his life um, and initiated a very aggressive divorce trying to take all the money there was between us, which was my Harvard retirement money. I didn't come from any money. Um, Shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed within a year of all this. I was diagnosed with precancerous precancerous, uh, symptoms. I didn't have any risk factors. This was breast cancer. And I developed breast cancer subsequently another in, within two and a half years. And then I developed breast cancer again. That was treated with radiation, and then I developed a more aggressive version of breast cancer, same breast, and I had a double mastectomy and chemo. Um, and I, and I, in the midst of this, early on, the first year, I, I just didn't know how to go on. Of course. I, I, I never faced that much adversity at once. And I... In the, you know, I couldn't sleep, and I, I reached in the wee small hours, as many of your listeners know, when you're, when you're beset by, by turbulence and crises, you, you don't sleep well. Right. And I reached in the wee small hours one evening for one morning for um, a collected volume of Lincoln's writings, a single volume, and I started reading. I didn't know anything about Lincoln, even though I was trained as a historian. I was a European historian by expertise. And I reached for Lincoln, and I started reading at the back of the book with his the, the, the you know his speeches his letters his yes. memos at the end of his life or at the end of at the end of his presidency and read you know backward into time and I found myself thinking over and over, over and over again you think you have troubles Miss Nancy yes Mr Lincoln had much bigger problems and that was the beginning of the book that is unbelievable I mean you were in your deepest darkest funk imaginable everything had come at you and you reached for Lincoln. I reached for Lincoln, and you know he really did, and so the and he really did help me. I mean, mm-hmm. he really spoke to me. I, I really did find courage in how he'd in how he'd endured. Because, as m- most of your listeners don't know, and I, I mentioned this in the in the chapter, I mean, he 
he came very, very close to giving up on a number of occasions during the presidency. He thought the obstacles confronting him, the calamities around him were too great to continue through, but he didn't. You know, by a hair's breadth, he and the other stories in this book, the other people in this book, came really close to the canyon of despair, but they didn't fall over the edge. They didn't do a diver in, even though they could have. And I have taken strength from that hair's breadth, from that, the tiny baby steps backwards from the edge of the chasm that each of these people took, I have taken a lot of courage and and the ability to go on from these people. And so, again, that's the animating energy of the book, Um, Forged in Crisis. There's a reason it's titled Forged in Crisis. Amazing. You know, a lot of times we don't realize, I've had other authors on that talk about going back to philosophers from, you know, years and years ago to find answers to current situations. Well, yeah, and this, I mean, I'm a historian. I, I came of age, I did my PhD many, many years ago at Harvard, and then I spent a year teaching at Harvard College, teaching in a tradition, more traditional history job. And then I went over to the Harvard Business School, and I climbed the, the tenure ladder, right, with lots of silverbacks and lots of people who didn't go to the Harvard Business School or teach at the Harvard Business School because they were interested in history, so I was an odd duck from the beginning. Um, but when you, when you're, when you come of, into your craft in that kind of environment where... It's it's a it's a pragmatic institution, and the people there, the students, the faculty, the executives, they want to learn from history for now. And so I have become a historian, a very serious historian, who wants to make the past interesting, informative, motivating, you know, courage accessing for all kinds of people today. That's my goal. That's what I do. That's what gets me up in the morning. How can history inform our lives to help us access our stronger selves every day? And that's my calling. And so the book, even though it was born out of my own personal crises, is very much you know, in keeping with my larger mission as a historian, as someone who wants to help leaders find their strong self and and keep finding their strong self. And someone said to me the other day, a very thoughtful reader who knows the book well, she said, you know, Nancy, you say it's a leadership book, but it's really about self-development. It's not not a traditional self-improvement book, but it's really about how do we lead our best lives. And even though you're telling these stories of these historical figures. And I hadn't really thought about it exactly that way, but when you put together what we're just talking about, the genesis of the book, yes. and, and my own making as a historian, that makes a lot of sense, I think. I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, who, you would never have imagined that your passion in life would save your life. No, I would never have thought that. And, you know, it's funny, I was, I was on the fast track, um, Janine, on my way to, you know, Climbing the, I'd gotten tenure. I was on my way to doing a lot of administrative, exciting administrative, wonderful work, mm-hmm. and thinking about how I could, you know, become more like the silverback, so to speak. And then all these things happened, and that just, that just, that just, there was no way I could do the kind of things I was doing beforehand. And I had to survive. And then I, I had to, because of my health, I couldn't do nearly so much travel or so many meetings. And so my life. My life now became a very different story, and my mission now became this very clear-cut mission of how do I help leaders in all kinds of walks of life, you know, chemo nurses, teachers, uh, um, firefighters, school principals, you know, congressmen, young people that want to start a movement. How do I help people find a worthy cause and then develop their muscles of moral courage and resilience to pursue that? That's my calling. Yes. And some of it came out of my own experience, but you're absolutely right. I never expected any of this. Never scripted it. None of this was scripted. 
I think we navigate through crises, as Lincoln said at the end of the war. We navigate, I I frankly confess I had no grand plan. I navigated point to point. Mm. And you said something uh, a few moments back. I mean, it's the resilience, because we have to be able to navigate the rocky waters and not give in. That's right. And then, the, then when it gets rocky again, we have to be able to say, "Wait a minute! I navigated that last those waves three, you know, six months ago. I can navigate these." So you're constantly right, tightening that, sharpening, strengthening that muscle of resilience, and, and connecting it with your bigger purpose, whatever that is. You know, save this this teenager from opioids, right? Keep the school library open longer. Um, you know, prevent that chemical those chemical effluents from being poured into our water nearby. You're constantly right. This is a this is an ongoing messy, very satisfying thing we're talking about, right? The, the yes. act of leading right. A, a, the right life, our, you know, our right lives. I want to share something with you. Uh, I went to a talk last night, UCLA's Royce Hall, with Anne Lamott and Eve Ensler. I am not the same person I was when I walked in. I, wow. It was mind-blowing. I mean, they said things like, don't think about or worry about branding yourself. Think about reinventing yourself. Right. I mean, they talked about the whole political climate. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but it was outstanding. I'm going to be doing a review of the event. It was unbelievable. It was mind-blowing. Well, so that's another interesting aspect. You know, it's forged in crisis. So that the the power of courageous leadership. And the book, and it's directly related to the book, the book is... <laughs> Is, is about the most important connecting glue, right? The thread that the big threads that weave this tapestry together, or that hold this tapestry together, are that leaders are made. We're made. Yes. We are works in progress, and we're made, right? And you know, many years ago, Bill Moore. I remember this when I was in the midst, in the really, in the deepest, deepest parts of the canyon of my own life. Bill Moyers, I think, wrote, or maybe, maybe it was. Jo- I think it was Joseph Campbell actually wrote. Sometimes we have to let go of the life we have planned yes. in order to make room for the life that is waiting for us. Oh, I love it. That's, a, that's really wise. And I would think about that all the time as I saw all these things I had planned for my 40s falling away, never to be recovered. Right. And, and I discovered all kinds of other you know, amazing things. And each of the people in this book is like that, right? Yeah. You know, Lincoln never expected to be at the center of the storm of a civil war. And, and yet and the person he was when he entered the White House in March of 1861 was a very, very different person than the person that, you know, that read those words with malice toward none, with charity toward all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. I mean, we, he was trans. He, he allowed himself, he made himself mm-hmm. into a transformed person in service to something he really believed in that was mighty and worthy and decent. And I'm sure that Anna Lamont and Eve were talking about something like that oh, yes. last night because we need worthy missions and decency and people's resilience right now when so very much is at stake in our world. Yes. Let me go back to your book. How did you whittle it down to these key people? Because there's so many amazing people in yeah. history. Well, a couple of interesting things that seem, dis- that seem disjointed or unconnected, but they're very connected. One was, I, I know that people's attention spans are short. I know that we have trouble concentrating on anything other than our phones, much less history and these interesting, messy, messy stories of personal transformation with big external positive impact. Um, and so I, I wanted 
first thing, I wanted a nose for a really good story. I, would, mm-hmm. I have a nose for a good story, and I wanted really good stories. So these are, as you know, gripping stories of the triumph of the human spirit. So that narrowed that, that took away lots and lots of leadership stories. Right. They weren't gripping. They weren't dramatic enough. They, the transformation wasn't obvious enough. So that was the first criterion. The second criterion, and this is where it sounds a little bit disparate, is I needed the historical evidence of the individual's emotional experience. Right? I needed diaries. I needed intimate letters. I needed credible personal reminiscences of people around that person. I needed to be able to reconstruct their inner lives with credibility and what I need to be concerned about, my reader doesn't need to be concerned about this, historical rigor and truth. So that means I needed, that took out a whole lot of people who are interesting and gripping and dramatic, but I simply couldn't get access. They either didn't leave the sources, they weren't there, or I couldn't get access to them, or they were in another language that I couldn't learn fast enough to write, the, to, to really translate well and write this book. Yes. I mean, the book took 11 years, so I wasn't in any hurry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a long pregnancy, but I still, I couldn't have done this on a Chinese leader because I would never have been good enough in Mandarin to do this. So, so those two things were the most important. But the last thing was I wanted individuals that had started out as in search of something very different than where they ended up. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yes, very That was part of the transformation. It was also part of this story that I, I didn't know was going to be such an important part of the book, which is the transformation, as I say in the end of the book, from I to thou, from the narcissistic fuel that gasses lots of our journeys for a long time sometimes, you know, this is what I need to do, this is my next item on my agenda, this is my next objective, this is my next true north, to I found a big worthy purpose, I found real satisfaction for myself and my true calling, but it actually involves serving others. Wow. This book So and each of these people each of these people evidenced that. So those were the most important criteria. So we have to wrap up unfortunately, but tell (laughs) me where can people find out more about you? So the best place to go if you if this is wedded with your grace and you know trenchant questioning if this is wedded your listeners' appetite the the best place is probably the website for the book it's called forgedincrisis.com. Okay. There's lots about the book. There's videos, little leadership lessons. There's a little leadership quiz. People can take a quiz and say, mm, "Am I a Lincoln? Am mm-hmm. I a Lincoln style leader? Am I a?" Rachel, Ball, Rachel Carson style leader. You can learn about your own leadership style. Right. And there's all kinds of other fun, interesting things for you to do in your own leadership journey on that website. Fantastic. Well, this has been incredible. Anytime you want to come back on the show, I'd love to have you back on. Oh, I would love to be on your show. Any, you, anytime. All this right. is, this is, you're doing the real work. You're doing the Lord's work, so to speak, the work okay. of light. And if I can help, sign me up. I would love that. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure something out and have you back on, even if it's in the new year, because I know we're wrapping up the year. So. Oh, anytime. All right, I'd love, to, I'd love to work with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great day. And you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was author Nancy Kane talking about Forged in Crisis, the power of courageous leadership in turbulent times. If you missed any part of our conversation... Uh, it will be up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Uh, coming up next, Sin Hanna, success coach, results expert, life after grief coach, is going to be joining us in just a moment.